Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, getting used to our uh, temporary new setup. Yeah, new digs. Uh, yeah, here's uh, what I learned today. Tyler, I own too many laptops. <laughs> because that is a uh, that is a white person problem. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, that is <clears throat> first world to uh, first world AF. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're recording a, a, on a different computer than usual. Your your work computer because yeah. I brought the wrong laptop, <laughs> and uh, my computer is not a laptop. So we're sitting at my work desk. Yeah, which this is where the magic happens. Were you to be the subject of an episode of MTV's Cribs. Sure, absolutely. This is where the magic would happen. Uh, yeah, and uh, it feels cramped and weird, but we're going to make... I wonder if listeners could... If we didn't say it, uh, do you think listeners would be able to tell in our voice that something was different? No. No? I mean, not unless they're weird. <laughs> That's true. Well, podcast <laughs> listeners can be uh, very yeah, attentive sometimes. There probably are some weird ones. So we got things uh, we got to get to, but first, uh, we want to talk about our sponsors. Um, this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a handpicked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. All right, now, as we said uh, last week... Mubi has its first ever U.S. theatrical release, and uh, by the time you're hearing this, it has been released uh, in New York and Los Angeles. Um, Mubi is releasing Baden Baden, the debut feature of French filmmaker uh, Rachel Lang. The film will be opening in New York, uh, or the film is now open in New York um, at the Anthology Film Archives and Los Angeles at the Arena Cine Lounge. After its week-long theatrical run, it will be available at MUBI. Uh, for more information on this marvelous film, just go to BadenBadenFilm.com. And Baden is spelled B-A-D-E-N. So that twice, Film.com. Uh, if you're interested in the film, but you don't live in Los Angeles or New York, uh, wait a week, and uh, you will be able to, you can get MUBI for free uh if you because you're a listener listener of battleship pretension so for a just, month for a month for one month thank you uh so just go to mubi.com that's m-u-b-i.com slash battleship to redeem now and i also would like to tell you about tweakedaudio.com that's where you go uh if you know what you're doing um if you got any sense in the head of yours you go to tweakedaudio.com for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors uh we love them we use them every day um they're not just a sponsor they're uh good friends of ours yeah. <laughs> um, they're also a client yeah um and uh they're available at a uh, available at a low low price over at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout and put in that extra effort you'll get one third off that already low low price and no shipping charges so uh remember to go to tweakedaudio.com Christmas is just around the corner and use the offer code pretension Tyler yes what's on your mind okay so uh, David we talked a lot a lot of politics last week uh, I guess if that's I don't even know I mean I guess we did yeah I guess we did talk it's about politics 30 minutes but I'm saying it's I felt like it didn't even feel like we were talking about politics it just felt like therapy a little bit which is a lot right. of what my discussions have been uh, with my friends, with my wife, I've been like um, using social media, just reading social media to like feel better sometimes just yeah. to like commiserate with other people who are miserable right now, yeah. you know, and like 
um, I will start to feel like I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, the, the, I talk about this, like Donald Trump being elected, like I'm grieving. And that is very much how I like right. my, 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 my emotional reaction to this has been very similar to, to the grieving process because something will remind me again, yeah. like this morning, well, to give away when we're, uh, what they were recording. All right. When the fucking president elect of the United States is like, wow, the New York Times tried to change the, 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 whatever, the agreement for our meeting, wow. And then he didn't say wow. What he did say was, not nice. <laughs> that is, he literally tweeted the words, not nice. Doesn't that just, doesn't that just like, ooze like the limiting nature of Twitter, which is like, he clearly wanted to say more, but he's like, oh, I'm out of character. What do so, I say? Like, it sounds like, makes him sound like a baby. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And then, and I, and I think about like, this is the person, like this is our president. Yeah. Oh, I've got some thoughts. Don't worry. Uh, I, and I know. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't even mean to get back into it again, but it, it was raw again this morning and I, and I will just like go down a spiral again anyway. But we had, a, I thought a very good discussion last week, me, you and Scott, uh, well, someone disagreed. It's someone, right now. an old listener or whatever. Yeah. It was. So, um, here's the deal. So somebody, uh, commented and I'm not in the habit of responding to every comment, but you know what? It's what the listener said did sort of touch on some things that I was already a bit worried about myself. Good. Okay, good. I want to hear So, that. um, so if I'm worried about it and somebody else picks up on it, my thought is, well, there are probably many others that didn't say anything. So I wanted to sort of address it. Um, now as to, and I wanted to like write this out, uh, or more specifically, I wanted to make an outline and I wound up just writing several paragraphs. So I'm just going to read those. Uh, so my tone is going to shift here. So I do apologize. Uh, okay. There was a comment recently in which a listener said that he no longer wanted to listen to the show because of my conservatism. He thought I worked too hard to make both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump seem equal when Trump is so obviously the worst of the two. He also didn't like the part of our Freedom of the Press Foundation pledge that discussed certain college attitudes about free speech, saying that, w- that it was a false equivalency to mention them in the same breath as Donald Trump. I'd like to address this. First, you're right in that I was probably a little too lenient with Trump. The fact is both Scott and David were visibly upset, and I get really uncomfortable when people are angry even if they're not angry with me. So I tend to try to calm things down in my tone and comments, even if I agree with the outrage that somebody else is feeling. Also, I've spent a lot of time on other podcasts ripping Trump, and I just sort of lost track of where I said what. So let me state my thoughts here. It's not often that I use the word hate. It's a nasty word and one that Christians aren't supposed to throw around, especially towards another human being. That said, I hate Donald Trump. I've hated him since the primaries where he bullied the other candidates and said loudish, idiotic things. I hated what he was what he was, and now is doing to my party. All the stuff that I've spent years of my life trying to assure people that Republicans aren't, he actually is. Uh, I'm furious that my fellow Republicans allowed themselves to be conned by this guy who mumbled a few words about the Bible and the Christian community saw that as reason enough to embrace him. He put an R next to his name and many Republicans saw this as reason to overlook many of his policies and viewpoints, which in many cases were left leaning uh, on top of it being just a, well, okay, sorry. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, (laughs) On top of all of this, people were somehow okay with the idea of Trump as the face of our country. Optics aside, 
The temperament of Trump was something that I didn't want to represent me as a Republican, as an American, and as a Christian. I will say that I don't think Trump is a racist, because this, but this is only because white supremacy is a belief system, and I don't think Donald Trump believes in anything. <laughs> he believes in Donald Trump, and we have indulged his narcissism to such a degree that he is now the most powerful man in the world, thus confirming every delusional opinion he has about how great he is. The reason that he hasn't denounced the Klan, now, by the way, that has run out. He did uh, disavow the alt-right today, so that's something. But it took a while, so let's just stick with this. Uh, the reason that he hasn't denounced the Klan is the same reason that he's overly friendly with Vladimir Putin, because they said nice things about him. He doesn't care what somebody else does or what they stand for. As long as they admire him, we're all good. Now, obviously... Otherwise, they're not nice. Otherwise, they're... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you sounded very St. Louis just then, by the way. <laughs> uh, obviously, there are some political things that Trump says that I agree with. And in fact, it's very possible that I personally will benefit from a Trump presidency. For example, my taxes will likely go down, which would be great because it would allow my wife and I to pay off some of our debt or simply to save for the future. Nonetheless, I could never vote for him because there are bigger things things at work than my personal philosophies or what might benefit me. I could never in good conscience associate my name with his, which is what a vote is. I actually considered voting for Hillary Clinton, but Trump was never on the table. Now, I actually have a bit here about why I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, but we can skip that seeing as how I don't want to alienate more people. <laughs> um, eh, what do you think? Well, um, you voted. You're with her. Uh, I've been with her from the beginning. But that's because yeah. I'll tell you I'll tell you what happened um, is the first time I was old enough to vote was the year 2000. I cast my vote for Ralph Nader That's of right. the Green Party. Um, In Missouri, and, which was kind of a swing state at the time. Yeah, I think sort it's... Of. It, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah um, it was, I think, sure, it's always been like, you know, leans red or whatever, but yeah. yeah. I cast my vote for Ralph Nader, and then... Um, what happened was uh, George W. Bush was uh, or became president. I was going to say was elected. He wasn't elected. He became president. He was he was reelected sure. without having been elected the first time. He became president. Uh, I've never forgiven myself for it. I've never forgotten it. I never lived it down. And so I've become a uh, died in the wool pragmatist <laughs> when it comes yeah. to how I vote. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been with her. Um, from the beginning, which is not to say that I necessarily that Hillary Clinton was the candidate who most aligned with my way of thinking. Right. I felt that Hillary Clinton was the candidate that, that most aligned with my way of thinking and had a chance to win. Sure. Uh, sure. And that's how I use my vote. Yeah. Uh, sue me. Yeah, it's well, you know, if uh, certain presidents have their way, they might be able to. Um, yeah, uh, I, I have way too much stuff here on Hillary Clinton. And frankly, if I'm trying to reconcile myself with our liberal listeners, this probably is not the thing to say. But so, I do want to address something. Okay. Uh, you and I texted about this earlier. As far as the... Um, yeah, that's the tail end here. Yeah, the uh, equivocating Donald Trump's um, treatment of, of the media and his disregard for yeah. free speech and freedom of the press with... Um, students, uh, you said you said it was college students. For some reason, I thought that poll was from high school. Um, it was college students. It was college students. Yeah, say, yeah saying that uh, that censorship is okay in some cases. Uh, to me, I understand what the listener is saying. That um, the obviously the president elect has more of a bully pulpit than um, 
than these college kids at the moment. I mean, they're going to grow up and become yeah. something. But also, to me, um, uh, a threat to... Uh, I'll paraphrase a common um, uh, construction, which is that a, a threat to free, spe free speech anywhere is a threat to free speech everywhere, as far as I'm concerned. That's I am it. not yeah. going to let any one slide. I'm not okay with any... Uh, threats to freedom of speech. Well, and so here's the deal. Uh, I did not write this down because I didn't need to. Because um, it's not, the fact is, the reason that I included that was not to say, oh, well, they're obviously the same. One is obviously more powerful than the other. But what I like, what the reason I included is because, you know, the modern college student, by and large, is about as liberal as you can get. And even they have... And I, when I say they, it's not all of them, obviously, but um, and probably not even most of them. But uh, but there are a number of them that are anti-free speech. And what I will say is that there's a lot of shit going on actually on campuses. If it were just the students, that's one thing. But they do seem to often have the ear and the support of the administration and campus security. I have some examples. One, Ben Shapiro at CSULA, uh -huh. uh, where Ben Shapiro, who is a... Uh, Piece of shit. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's a conservative commentator and, and one a of the. Piece of shit. I think he's remarkable. <laughs> I think he's smarter than either one of us. Uh, and this he's make him very... not a piece of shit. Why is he a piece of shit? Uh, because what's the name of his site? Uh, uh, well, he's he's worked on several. The the, the site that I always think of. Anyway, um, I mean, he quit Breitbart because he hates Steve Bannon. Yeah, not it's not Breitbart. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll I'll name one. Of the, I just think Daily Wire. Uh, it is Daily Wire. Okay. I think he's one of these guys. Um, and here's here's where I will. It's gonna. I'm gonna start down the equivalency path and then say why it's different. Okay. Um, I think, in in some sense, everyone who writes or 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 tries to thrive, make a living, making a living writing on uh, on the internet, mm -hmm. um, tends to favor favor more attention grabbing headlines. Sure. But I think Daily Wire. Um, when the, you're covering the topics that you're covering, yeah. uh, the way to grab attention is to have some really inflammatory um, and, I think, cruel. And Breitbart does this, too. Some, some really cruel uh, headlines that um, can easily, I think, be summed up as racist <laughs> a I'm, lot of the time. I'm often deeply frustrated with the headlines of Daily Wire, the stories I tend to actually like. And as it turns out, I know a couple people that work there. Um, but uh, and that's the thing is I have bashed Ben Shapiro on this show because I hate his attitude towards art, um, uh -huh. uh, movies specifically. Um, but uh, but, but yeah, what the, I know. Sorry, what you're what happened at CSULA was a disaster on all sides. Yeah, he was invited by the campus Republicans to speak, uh, so they had a hall and all that, uh, and then once a bunch of students complained to the administration because he's a Republican, uh, specifically a Ted Cruz leaning Republican, specifically because they see him as a racist. You have to see right. the, I mean, the California state campuses in general are, as you know, um, uh, left leaning. Yeah, um, we'll get to my encounters but, at UCLA in a moment. Uh, CSULA especially is overwhelmingly like majority Hispanic because of the part of oh, the yeah, town yeah. it's in, and I think when it comes to uh, certain topics. Uh, like immigration, uh, this then it's. I think it's more specific than just he's a Republican. Right. I think there are specific things like it's kind of like 
And this is, I think, actually more on the campus Republicans you're talking about, which is that uh, is probably I, true. I think there was a, a sense of, I would say, know the room, but I think they, in a trollish sense, they did know the room, and I think they intentionally um, pushed this in a way uh, that that was that were they were they were starting shit like I, trolls. I've well, and I will say that there's also I, I've gone to a couple of. Uh, UCLA Bruin Republicans meetings and decided to not go anymore. Uh-huh. Um, just because, and you know, I get it. If when you're in a, an environment that we could say is uh, hostile, when you're there's like, you know, thirty of you versus the rest of the campus, yeah, you might puff out your chest a little bit. Um, I get that, but at the same time, I don't think it's helpful, so I'm not a part of it anymore. Um, but yeah, so they booked this hall. Students complained. The administration listened and said, you know what, we'll we'll postpone your talk until we can have. Uh, you know, other speakers on the same day or maybe during the same week, you know, that can kind of rebut it. And mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro said, that's interesting because anytime you have a liberal speaker, you don't do that uh, the other way. Um, and so they finally, uh, I believe they let him speak. And then uh, students uh, gathered around the front. And if somebody wanted to come in, they would push them around and yell at them and scream at them. Campus security did Nothing to disperse the crowd, which was getting physical with people. Uh, instead, security was content to usher people in the side door, uh, including Ben Shapiro himself. Uh, and then there's a video of his speech and about 10 minutes in, oh, the fire alarm goes off. And he says, he goes, all right, I'm going to keep talking because we all know there's no fire. And if there is, we'll find out soon enough. And uh, and then sure enough, after a, a few minutes, the fire alarm just stops. Um, and then it goes on again about 20 minutes later, but only briefly. Uh, and then he needed to be escorted uh, from campus by security. Uh, that And then he's done it. He's done more speeches since then. There's a wonderful woman named Christina Hoff Summers, uh, who is like not inflammatory at all. I think she's astonished to find her. She's like a nice mom. Uh, uh, and I think she's astonished to find herself in the midst of this uh, this angry culture. Then, of course, there's Milo Yiannopoulos, who is himself a monster. Um, and if, <laughs> so, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That was when he talks about free speech. I'm hanging on every word. Uh, That's like, and I went to see him at UCLA. Um, I had never heard of Milo. Uh, whatever before the Leslie Milo, Jones Milo Greek name <laughs> yeah. yeah before the Leslie Jones thing this July and I've also not heard of him since until now so oh, okay this guy is not on my radar at all yeah um he's he's a big Breitbart guy uh he and Ben Shapiro have had a number of words um and that's there's, there are reasons I like Ben Shapiro and one of them is that he is very willing to fight with people on his own side um and so uh but yeah, uh, before the Leslie Jones thing, when Milo was just more of a troll, he was uh, he was at um, UCLA, and I was curious because, and this was like at the very end of May, so I wasn't, I hadn't gone to class yet, like, and so I was like, I'm I'm curious, I'll 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 check him out. So my friends and I, a couple friends and I uh, stood in line. We went down to UCLA. We stood in line. Uh, there are a lot more, you know, red uh, Make America Great hats than I was comfortable with. Um, <laughs> but so we stood in line and then slowly but surely, like it seemed very peaceful. And then a crowd started gathering in front of the door. Security should have anticipated that. Um, 
And then before you know it, there's just a bunch of uh, uh, probably like 50 people blocking the door. We can't get in. And then they're trying to then they block all these other doors. They're screaming at us. Um, And then security shows up and stands in front of them to make sure that we don't interact with them. And so uh, I, trying to be a mature adult, went to one of the security guys and I said, so what's what's going on here? Like, are we going to be able to get through and he said well you know they're all standing in the way and i said yes i do recognize that but are you going to do anything to make sure that they can't that you know to to remove them or clear a path or something like that and he said well you know i can't uh, can't step on his on their first amendment rights and i said yes but i also have the right to hear something and Milo Yiannopoulos has the right to say something as much as people might not like it and what about those Be, these people have chosen to put their bodies in the path knowing that we are too civil to move them. Mm-hmm. And the security guy was a big dick and it really bothered me that he was really patronizing to me. And, um, and it just, and it was, and it, in that moment I was, I realized like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, administration has no problem with what the protesters do protesters were doing. And there was, by the way, another group of po- protesters who stood off to the side, they held signs. They had like tape over their mouths for some reason, but they they held signs and they they stayed out of our way. And I actually went up to a group of them and I said, "Hey, thank you very much for this." And I actually took their paperwork with me be, uh, uh, as a sh- sign of solidarity. That like they made their presence known. They said stuff to you know they didn't say it, but like they held up stuff that we could read to make it clear they didn't like what we were doing. But they didn't stop us from doing it. And so now people might get upset with, with, at the very notion that I wanted to see Milo Yiannopoulos. I was curious about the politics of UCLA because I hadn't witnessed it. And I was going to be witnessing it in like three weeks when I started actually attending. So please, I, I do not stand by virtually anything that Milo okay. Yiannopoulos says. And this is before the Leslie Jones. This is before thing. the Leslie Jones. thing. Um, since then, yeah, it's, he's, he's gone full on all right and no thank you which is weird for a, a gay guy but um <laughs> it seems like he wouldn't be super welcome over there but you know uh so all of this is to say and there are other stories about this by the way um and so it'd be one thing if it was just the college students but it is also the administrators and security and for me i would say that like i view college or the university system as a marketplace of ideas where people go and they can be exposed to thoughts that aren't their own and, and ideas that aren't their own. And that idea and the concept of that is exciting to me. Um, and, you know, and, and if, if colleges are now, and again, I re- realize that I'm just pointing out a few examples, but if colleges start to cater only to one political school of thought, um, then that's not going to be helpful when these when these kids do grow up, you know, um, and it and it engenders in this in this arena where people should feel free to say what they what they think, knowing that people are going to disagree, but that, hey, we're all here to exchange ideas. If people don't feel safe to do that because of the administration and security and their fellow students, then like. 20 years it cut to 20 years from now and like things can be much worse you know and i'm not going to say that it's because of stuff like this that trump was uh elected but when people are saying that like uh that there are certain groups in the in the country 
that did not feel listened to and did not feel heard. I could see that given that I've, I witnessed a group of people who said, yeah, there are some things that you don't deserve to hear. You're not an adult. I'll do the thinking for you. And, uh, and I actually, after I wasn't able to make it in and everyone was dispersing, I did have a very nice conversation with one of the protesters and it was really constructive. I wish that it should have been that it's always more constructive when it's one on one. I like that. So, uh, and the point I want to make about that, uh, cause I'm sure people, I think people like our, our commenter who, um, had a problem with, I don't think that he used the word false equivalency. But no, that was mine. Yeah. Um, are going to say, uh, I, I can see them saying something like, oh, they stood in your way. What about the people who were physically attacked at Trump rallies? Right. And right. the point is we're not going to get anywhere playing a game of who's worse. Right. You know, uh, I'm sure it makes you feel great that the people you support didn't actually, they were just dicks and didn't actually, you know, punch right. anybody, yeah. but, uh, none of it helps. So yeah. let's, uh, let's try to, let's try to work towards being more civil on, on all sides. Uh, even if that means, um, I, I don't know, not putting up with, but, uh, maybe, maybe the opposite, maybe even if it means, uh, turning some scrutiny on yourself well and there's and also there's there's i've seen videos of other things i've seen videos of uh this white guy with dreadlocks getting beaten up by this uh young on a college campus by this young black woman and her boyfriend now don't get me wrong there's plenty of reasons to beat up a white guy with dreadlocks that's what i was gonna say it's like but, i don't see but this for, is a victimless crime right. as far as I'm <laughs> but for cultural appro- appropriation uh, purposes like she like the two of them like beat him up and there's like security footage of this and it's like that's not great man you know and what does then, it say this is about maybe my own just like privileged point of view that like it's gotten to the point where I, I like I don't even think of dreadlocks as being a black thing I think of them as being for shitty trust fund hippies <laughs> that's exactly when I think of dreadlocks I think of uh yeah white hippie assholes I think I probably do I think of Bob Marley first oh okay and then yeah, I think I of people that I probably don't care to talk to uh after that um and it's interesting I, I was talking with one of my classmates he and I were talking today he's a young man from South Africa but he is white he's Jewish and on top of everything else and uh up until like six months ago, he had dreadlocks mm-hmm. and he cut them off. And he said, like, it's much, they're much more common amongst everybody where he's from. And then he cut them off and he got hearing and he realized like, oh, it's a good thing I did. Uh, <laughs> Cause like, not only do I, will I now be associated with people I don't really want to be associated with, but also people could get really mad at me, like physically mad at me because yeah. he saw that video and, and, you know, the writing was on the wall at that point. Um, and so, you know, and then I remember that, and recently there was like some footage of, of, uh, this, of a Trump supporter getting like the shit beat out of him in the middle of the street. And then it cut to like an MSNBC reporter who said like, it's like, Oh, poor white people. And it's like, not helpful. Violence on all sides. No, not helpful, you know? And I'll, con- and I'll condemn, tr- I'll say, you know what? I'll say Trump is worse. I'll try. I'll say Trump supporters are worse. There was a video that came out in the last couple of days of like uh, uh, Richard Spencer, who's like a full on ra- like full on racist. Uh-huh. Like, is this not- the guy who was like hiling? That's him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I listened. That's the part that got around. But I listened to like part of his actual speech. I mean, it is 
genuinely monstrous. Like it is horrendous. It's the kind of thing that I'm like, yeah. I thought you only existed in movies, but no, here you are in life. And the idea that Trump is only now that he's elected denouncing this shit you know, say what people want about Ronald Reagan. During the primaries, I saw this meme going around of like when he was when the when the KKK was talking about like uh, endorsing him, he put out a statement saying like I I don't need it and I don't like anything that you say, and that was I believe you know when he was running for president. So it's like or re-election, I don't remember, but it's like good for Ronald Reagan. Hey, I'll take that over, <laughs> you know, over his, Donald Trump's like half-assed disavowal uh, today. You know, and so I don't I don't mean to say that, like, because I don't want to say, oh, b- people are beating up Trump supporters. I don't mean to say that, like, there's plenty of shit going on in there. Like, I'm ashamed to be a Republican right now. Yeah. You know, um, I think uh, this is going to be a hokey thing that people say, but um, uh, I actually think it's true which is that love is stronger than hate. And mm-hmm. I think that the best way to react to these things um, is, you see, uh, there is the, um, the the park in New York uh, named after uh, Adam Yawk from uh, yeah. Beastie Boys and people spray painted swastikas and go Trump uh, on there. And the reaction, they painted over it and they put a bunch of flowers up and then they held a yeah. peaceful vigil there. I think that's what they, they didn't go to... What's his name? Something Spencer? Richard Spencer. They didn't go to Richard Spencer's house or his meeting and like spray yeah. paint safety pins or whatever. Um, they, they, yeah, I, I think um, let's just stop yeah. and just stop trying to decide who's worse and throwing shit at each other and uh, let's work together. And I was listening to something that Shapiro was saying today about Richard Spencer and all that. And he said, these people, thri- they're so angry and they thrive on perceived victimization. And so, like, if you go after them, even if they go after you first, like, if you go after them, it, defending yourself is one thing. But, like, if you decide you want to get violence against, violent against them, they'll just say, like, yeah, see, I told you. And they'll just right. get more, like, the best thing to do is just, like, ignore them, try to meet them with love where as much as you can, and then just keep doing what you're doing. And they'll go, they'll hopefully go back to where they started. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm, one of the reasons I'm so angry about this election, so angry about Donald Trump, is like, who thought about, like, when was the Klan's endorsement ever a thing, like, in the last, <laughs> in my lifetime? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I thought they were done, pretty much. I thought it was just, like, a couple of living rooms in, down south, and that was it. But it's yeah. just, there's a, there's a good movie called Imperium, by the way, that's, it's not great, but it's very good, and it's very much about, like, white supremacists and stuff. But I think, the um, pro- I think what we're seeing, and I said this, um, on an episode you weren't on actually quite a while ago about, uh, and that was more about um, uh, Gamergate, but I think what we're seeing is um, certain long entrenched in power uh, part of parts of America realizing they're losing that entrenchment and losing yeah. their power and becoming very, very angry about it. Yeah. But they are still, as long as we stay the course, um, uh, and also maybe... Well, yeah. As long as you say the course, they are the you know it is a it is a dwindling part of the population. But we can also help it dwindle faster, not by just waiting for them to die out, but no. by um, swallowing our uh, pride a little bit and maybe understanding that as vile as the things they say are, um, it could have a lot to do with um, 
maybe they're undereducated, maybe they're miseducated. Sure. Um, and their rage uh, is misplaced and maybe is coming from a, uh, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people, um, uh, uh, a lot of um, people say like, uh, like mocking the idea of, uh, oh, this is all about economic anxiety, you know, because, right. you know, when you see someone ripping a hijab off of someone's head or yeah. shouting the n-word from yeah. from cars and stuff it's hard it's hard to see that as economic anxiety the hijab thing by the way was uh false she came out and said she made it up uh okay uh, i thought that happened more than once um, uh the the big one that happened to the girl in uh, uh louisiana that was made up okay um uh or to, well okay the um teachers telling their students that their parents are going to be deported yes that is <laughs> um, horrendous it's, I, know, I understand that that's so galling that it's hard to say that there's anything um, worth listening to about that person. Mm -hmm. But below their hate, I truly believe that everyone is capable of being a good person and is capable and is worthy of time and understanding. Yeah. And I think if we give some more of that while also making it very clear that kind of behavior and those kind of, is not going to stand. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's not put all of them in, let's not put everyone in a basket uh, and, and throw sure. them out because sure. that's uh, not going to help us move forward as a country. Yeah. It's not going to help. Not it's hate. not going to help us move forward together. <laughs> Which one is, is that her too? I think that's her too. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, and I, and I hope that, uh, and you know, even just now I'll say this, even just, and this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of my, my fellow students. Um, even just now when I pointed out the thing about the, the hijab, like I didn't mean to be like a smart ass about it. What I will, what I will say is that like, and you, it's not like you were putting out misinformation or anything like that. And it's entirely possible. It's happened more than once. And some, sometimes for real, um, I put it out there because I think that like, if something is true, it will remain true, even if certain mistruths about it are exposed. So, like, just because that story is not true doesn't mean there's not this other stuff going on. But if people are, like, hinging on that one story, it's like, okay, well, that one's not true, so let's find one that is. If there aren't any, okay, great. But, like, I don't know, it's, it's hard to... I, it's a thing I've been getting into lately is that, like... Both sides, uh, both sides have, have narratives and sometimes the narratives are true, but in the service of that narrative, there's often a lot of, you know, urban legends and, mm. and like half truths being put out there. It's like, no, 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 get those out of the way, acknowledge that they're not true and then just keep going with what you were doing. It's fine. Like, but I think a lot of people hold on to those as though if you were to acknowledge in the same way that like, you know, it, when you're a Christian, if somebody points out like some hypocritical thing that like a pastor did or something like that, I can either say, well, I mean, hang on. It's, or I can say, yeah, that was shitty. He really shouldn't have done that. And he really needs to, you know, make amends or whatever it is. And then you just move on. You know, you, you, you don't dig in your heels. I, I'm not talking to you, obviously I'm talking to people in general. Like you don't dig in your heels, uh, on the shitty things that mm -hmm. actually aren't true because you have a larger point to make, you know, like, I think it, I think it helps everybody's point. For example, I was talking about this with, the other day. So everything about Trayvon, the Trayvon Martin thing was terrible, obviously. But there was one thing that NBC News did that was really shitty. Okay. Where they were playing the the George Zimmerman phone call and there comes a moment when he says he goes, "He looks black." 
because he made a 911 call before he he went after Trayvon Martin and he said he looks black. Uh-huh. Well, what happened was the operator said, "Can you describe him or like uh-huh. what does he look like? What what's his ethnicity?" And then he says he looks black. An NBC editor decided to take out the question. So it looked like he just volunteered the information because obviously he's seeing race first. Now, here's the thing. I think he was seeing race first. I think he was acting like a a horrible person and doing something awful. But why do that thing? All it's going to do, that's not necessary. The The truth will out without your help. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely agree that we should be aware of what... Uh, <laughs> aware of what the truth is, and yeah. we should be able to uh, not just pass around um, internet conjecture or, or whatever. Um, and I think too many people on on my side will like point out like that one story that I did and act as though none of them are true, because mm-hmm. well, this one turned out not to be true. So these other ones, it's like yeah, but that Adam Yuck thing is like that's verifiable. That's yeah, right there. Yeah, you know. And so, anyway, okay, we've talked too long about this. We I'm did sure, another half, we did yeah, half an hour again. I'm sure we've, somehow. I'm sure we've alienated more people now as I don't, a result. I, 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 my whole point is love, not hate. Yeah, and I, sometimes I think people say that as a sort of like to pacify themselves. You know, when they see, um, you know, when they see hateful behavior in in uh, in other people, um. Uh, as a way just to inoculate themselves to say, oh, love will beat hate or whatever. But you have to actually uh, take that on. <laughs> yeah. You have to actually be that love or, or yeah. be that. Um, I'm going to bring it to movies finally. Yay. Um, one of my favorite movies of recent years, even though it's I haven't brought myself to rewatch it because it's a really tough watch, even though I, I bought the Blu-ray, is um, uh, Calvary. Yeah. And part of what that movie is about is that um you know pacifism isn't doing nothing pacifism yeah. is actually really hard yeah. it takes a lot of emotional and mental resolve and sometimes you'll crack and maybe lash out and uh or 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 whatever but it's um to you know people see turning the other cheek or or whatever or uh, as um not doing anything, but really what it means is choosing no matter what to show love, yeah. no matter, even if the person is show is, is displaying only hate, yeah. even if no matter how many times your neighbor wrongs you, right? You forgive him. How, how many times? Is oh, it seven times? I think only seven. No, it's not seven times or 70 times. It's 70 times seven. Oh my gosh. I can't even do that math. I think which, it's 490. But. Which means that's exactly what I was going to say. Even Jesus says, if your neighbor pisses you off 491 times, all right, just, just yeah. have Adam you at know, that point. You know what? I think the ship has sailed at that point. Um, okay. Yeah. And you know what? Now I feel bad that I said I hate Donald Trump, but you know what? I, I, I do. Oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll try to, I'll try to overcome, uh, hate with love, but, uh, it's going to take a while. Um, so, okay. Everybody, thank you so much for, for bearing with me on that. It no was something. Oh yeah. No question. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for bearing with me on that. And maybe you're not even listening, uh, as well, but, uh, but yeah, I do appreciate it. And, and you know what? I, I can't guarantee that this is going to be the last one of these. Good, good God. No, you know, <laughs> at this point, the word normalize has become normalized to the point where it's lost its its power. I know. But we really do have to resist like 
seeing this as okay. Yeah. Cause it's going to be a long, you know, it's going to be at least two years before we can, uh, make some change, but it's going to be yeah. uh, four years before, you know, his term is up again, assuming he hasn't named himself president, uh, for life right. or president for eternity. Yeah. Um, like Kim Il-sung. Yeah. Um, or like Richard Nixon and Watchmen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, like we have to, uh, uh, dedicate ourselves a new daily um, to 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 fighting this and to never waking up and being used to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those things because I do. There there are you know fellow Republicans who are just like, well, you know, what are you gonna do? And just like he's not our preferred guy, but hey, at least it's our guy. And it's like I don't even know if he's our guy. I I feel like he's. I he's mean, not, did you ever? The, uh, I'm sure this is one of those things that made the round. But it was like an interview with of him saying, "Oh yeah, like if I ever run for president, I'll run as a Republican." Those people are idiots. They believe yeah. everything they see on Fox News. Yeah, <laughs> and then Fox News really championed him. <laughs> by the way, yeah, um, I just. But that goes to the narrative we were talking about with Scott last week, the idea that a lot of people who voted for him, they know all this. They just don't care yeah. because they want, like you're saying, they want uh, a win. They want some sort of uh, – they want things to be shaken up even if it means uh, – yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes uh, uh, you can't shake things like a baby. You <laughs> yeah. know? You can't, shaking something up yeah. is not always a great thing. Should okay. we talk about movies, I guess? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Um, David, hang on. Reset. Okay. <sighs> okay. David. Yeah. What's the topic today? Well, let's get into it, shall we? Speaking of Donald's, um, the uh, movie, I, I, I mentioned this, the movie that I saw at AFI Fest made me think of this, of this as a, as a topic, uh, was called Donald Cried. It was my, um, it's not, this is a little semantic dance I have to do. It's not my favorite movie that played AFI Fest. But it's my favorite movie that I saw at AFI Fest. Because a lot of them oh, I had seen it. previously through got whatever it. means. Uh, but as far as the movies that I saw at AFI Fest, Donald Donald Cried was my favorite movie. Um, and the character of Donald is certainly... He is the person around whom that world spins because mm-hmm. he's such a... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um He's such a force of nature is the right. word I was looking for, which is not a word. It's three words. Um, but he's not the main character. The main character is named Peter, the guy who's come back home yeah. uh, to his hometown and reconnected with his childhood friend Donald. And so it got me thinking about, because just last year, about this time last year, you and I were talking about the movie Carol. Right. Um, and how we both feel that Therese is the lead character of that movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, Carol gets a lot of screen time, sure. but it's Therese's film. Just like Donald does in Donald yeah. Cried. And it just got me thinking about movies. And I don't have that many examples. It probably won't be that long an episode. Right. But uh, Oh, this episode is predominantly politics. There's no question about <laughs> yeah. it. Um, it got me thinking about movies that have a character's name in the title, but that person is not the main character. Okay. Now, there's uh, a caveat I want to make here because right. there are movies like Margaret or Margaret as yeah. people like you and me who are correct uh, say it obviously um, where no one in the movie is named that so it's not right I, I feel like that doesn't really count I have an example of that that is you also know, not an example of that like uh, Mighty Aphrodite right sure sure yeah that's not a name of the character in the movie is it or is her name Aphrodite I honestly haven't seen this since I was young. I don't think so, but I might be. I might be wrong. It's been the only thing, like literally, 10, twenty years ago now. I think I remember there was the Greek chorus thing, mm-hmm. 
I remember Michael Rappaport's character who said he used to be a boxer. Uh, he only had 10 fights and he won all of them but eight. <laughs> That's the one line are, I remember. There are a handful of actors that can sell that, <laughs> and he is he is among them. Um, uh, so, okay. I'll bring up the one that is like that, but not really. And that's The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Oh, yeah, that's a perfect one. I don't know why Be- I didn't... Because the character... Okay, so Colonel... A little bit of background. Uh, Colonel Blimp was a like a comic character, like a comic strip character in England. And he was like this bald, fat, mustachioed, uh, like stuffy, uh, out of touch, um, like, uh, uh, well, colonel, I guess. Um, And he would always just say things that were completely uh, oblivious to the world around him. So, and he was very well known. It's like if somebody, you know, referenced Garfield in a movie that wasn't about Garfield. Um, So in Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, there's a character named Clive Wincandy, who eventually goes like he starts out as a, something of a dashing young man, but you see him get older and he loses his hair and he grows a mustache and he gets kind of fat and he looks like Colonel Blimp, but he's never called Cur- Colonel Blimp. Um, you know, the, the, the image is still the same and I believe he still, he winds up being a Colonel by the end, but, uh, but he's never actually called Colonel Blimp. So Colonel Blimp isn't officially going with the rules of this, isn't right. officially a character in this, except yeah. he is. Like, there's, there's a lot going on with that. Well, that brings me to, well, I talked, um, pre- I, last week we teased this topic a little bit, um, and I talked about another movie that played uh, AFI Fest, a really great movie called Tony Erdman. Um, mm. And that's one that's kind of, it's technically none of the characters in the movie are named Tony Erdman. Mm-hmm. But one of the character characters repeatedly tells people his name is Tony Erdman. So it's like, does that count yeah. or not? And that got me thinking, here's a real tricky one. I'm not even going to give my explanation here. I'm going to name the movie and you tell me uh, uh, if this fits into our category today. Donnie Brasco. No, I think so. uh, Hang on. Right? Wait, hang Because on. that's not his name. It's not his name. That's a made-up name. Yeah. And so... To name the movie Donnie Brasco, yeah, that's that's not to say it's a biopic of Joe. His name was Joe something. Um, I'm forgetting now. What yeah, his I don't name recall. Was I've seen that movie so many times and I forget now what his name was. You're not saying it's a biopic of that guy. You're naming it after the fiction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and what is that? And I guess that's that. That's kind of what I want to get at. Um, you know. Um, uh, I'm, I'm deciding if this episode is going to be called "In Name Only" or "What's in a Name," because that's uh, that is the question. Like yeah. when a person names their movie, they have an intent in mind usually. Yeah. And so, what does it say when that when they choose a name? Uh, when when they you know this movie Donald the Cried that's about uh, uh, it's not about Donald. Why? Name and also oh yeah here's another spoiler Donald doesn't cry in the movie either. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> uh, um, Although the the point at which the title comes up on the screen is uh, very intentional, I think. Um, um, I'll, I'll use a I'll, I'll use that as a jumping off point. I just thought of it. This is not in my uh, notes here. Uh, John dies at the end. There I never is, saw it. There is a character named John. Uh huh. He's not the lead, uh-huh. and he doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> so. I like that. Um, but yeah, I really was fascinated by the idea of Donnie Brasco being. Yeah. Uh, there's technically no one in the movie named donnie brasco yeah 
uh, but a lot of people think <laughs> that there's a character named Danny Brasco. Right. By naming him that, it's it's almost uh, this is. Uh, maybe this is a little pretentious, but like, it's almost like they're naming him after an idea. They're naming, they're naming the movie after like the idea of Donnie Brasco, the job that requires that he be called Donnie Brasco mm-hmm. and all of these things. Like, yeah, it's, I am, I, we, we did an episode about titles already, but I'm, I'm often fascinated by movie titles because like, yes, this is how the, this is how the director is, wants to frame his, his film. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, but uh, the- well, the question about Donnie Brasco, though, is that does Joe, I can't remember his name, um, become Donnie Brasco? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, maybe. It's uh, He certainly feels certain loyalties to, mm-hmm. to uh, Lefty. Is that the name of, uh, of yeah, uh, Al Pacino's uh, character? character? Yeah. Um, so, okay, now I tried to think a little bit outside the box here. I like it. Now, not all of these are names, okay, but they are reference references to a char- to characters. The Exorcist, okay. Now, The Exorcist doesn't show up for quite a while. He's by no means a lead. The younger <clears throat> Exorcist might be Father Karras. He might be considered a lead, but again, he doesn't show up for quite a while. Like it is, it is definitely. Uh, uh, I haven't seen the movie in over fifteen years, maybe about oh, okay. fifteen years. I've seen it fairly recently. Who would you say the lead is then? I think probably uh, Ellen Burstyn, um, okay. because she's the one who is who's witnessing all the stuff that's happening, and she you know goes from being like very skeptical to like believing in all this, and she is, but she is also once the exorcists show up, and th- that's the other thing. It's called the exorcist, but there's two of them. Yeah. Um, but she does sort of take more passive. <laughs> so that's like role. the hateful eight. There's at least nine people. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's more than nine people in the movie, but there's at yeah. least nine that could be part of the hateful eight. Yeah, exactly. And so it's. Uh, but nonetheless, it's. I, and now that I now that I mention it, and this is what this does: naming uh, your movie um, after. Uh, a, a seemingly secondary character, it gets you to rethink the movie and it gets you to rethink the character, you know, because when I think the exorcist, I think Matt, uh, like who's the exorcist. I think Max von Sydow. See, and that, except he probably isn't. Yeah. Because I think of, again, it's been a long time. So I need, I do need to watch the exorcist yeah. again, but in my mind, the younger exorcist is more of a protagonist and the Max von Sydow is more of an Obi-Wan. Yeah. It, oh, no question about it. And so the exorcist of the title um, as iconic, because that's the thing is we picture the image of the guy standing there and it's Max von Sydow. Right, and so, right. um, and I, and maybe that's, maybe that speaks to the, the, what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to see this film is that, okay, we're supposed to pay attention to the exorcists. Uh-huh. Our first, our first notion is to follow, follow father Marin, but he doesn't make it all the way through. And it's the young, insecure, doubting exorcist yeah. who who rises to the challenge and that might not be a thing we're even thinking about if it's a different title yeah if it was called you know possessed or something like that or possession you or know repossessed. or repossessed Sorry, obviously. Obviously. yes, yes. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah uh in the in the max on role. um <laughs> anyway uh but what i wanted to talk about um is the idea when we, we mentioned carol and the idea that the character is named, at, or the the movie is named after the character who is the driving force for the main character, yes, or or, or a force force of focus for the main character. And I thought of two 
off the top of my head okay. that are like that. Both comedies. Okay. There's something about Mary. All right. And Dick. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Neither of those are the lead characters in the yeah, movies. I didn't think about that. But they're all but they're both people that um in one way or another the main character or characters in Dick are fixated on. Now, let me ask you this. Oh boy. Okay, yeah. All right, we're I'm I'm into this now. <laughs> let me ask you this. There's something about Mary. It doesn't it's not just called Mary. Mm-hmm. This is a declarative statement about Mary which and she's probably not saying it about herself. So the very fact that it is a statement. Right. So it's like something that someone is saying would lead me to believe that just by the title, like, oh, yeah, Mary's not the main character. Like, the yeah. person saying that is the main character. Well, I'm not saying it's an about face or, or a sure. or bait and switch here. Sure. I'm just saying the name of the character is in the title, but it's not the main character. Like, I have Saving Private Ryan. That's on my list, too. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is this... You know, saving means uh-huh. that whoever's doing the saving is the lead character. Like, it's, I feel like it's almost implied. Yeah. Um, but at That's the very also, least, you you do. You might expect Private Ryan to show up earlier than he does. Um, but he winds up being yeah. more of a MacGuffin than anything else. But how late? This is not even part of the topic. Um, but you mentioned The Exorcist. How late into a movie can a character show up and be the protagonist? Because you know. and I were talking recently. I can't remember if it was on mic or not about No Country for Old Ben. And you don't. You don't see Ed Tom for half an hour. Yeah. You hear his voice from the very beginning, right. so there's that. But you don't see him for half an hour. But I, 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 and I think that's why a lot of people tend to, uh, at first glance, interpret um, yeah. Llewellyn Moss as the main character of No Country for Old Men. But I think the protagonist is, is Ed Tom Bell. Uh, but you, yeah, you don't meet him for half an hour. Well, it takes a long time for Marge Gunderson to show up in Fargo as mm. well. And I will say this: that uh, yes, I recognize that Fargo is not the name of a character, but I thought, it, but I added it to my list anyway because it's called <laughs> Fargo, and like one thing happens in Fargo. Yeah, that's and true. It's, it's like the initial meeting between William H Macy and and the the kidnappers. Like, yeah, it's not even like I think for a while. Like when I first saw it, and then I hadn't seen it for a while. I misremembered the incident in Brainerd as happening in Fargo right. because that that almost makes more sense like yeah. it's a, the inciting incident but no it's it's they it's, planned this in Fargo and then <laughs> went everywhere else <laughs> yeah you know but that's the thing is just it, it 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 gets by calling it Fargo you just start to think about everything differently um you know Chinatown is another example but those are places those aren't people but I thought it would it it bore a, a brief discussion um, um now uh, I, I have another one that's um, okay. This is two more. These are also both points of fixation, but they're not as romantic or sexual as the other ones okay. that I mentioned. Uh, being John Malkovich, sure, yeah. And then here's one that I think a lot of people don't really examine, but Amadeus. Uh, that's on mine. Yeah, yeah. Because Salieri is the main character. Oh no question. This is not a biopic of the life of Amadeus. Yeah, no. It's very much from. I mean, he's narrating the story. We're seeing Amadeus through his eyes, even in scenes that he's not there. Like Amadeus as a ridiculous man, uh-huh. like he's even being characterized in our eyes the way Salieri would look at him. Yeah, there's no question. And even though uh, both uh, Tom Holtz and F. Murray Abraham were nominated for Best Actor, like huh. there's a reason that F. Murray Abraham won, and I think it's because it's it's just such a foregone conclusion. I think that that. Uh, Salieri is the lead. Um, so uh, okay, so I've got one here. I have I have a couple here that I put a question mark after. Okay. One is Birdman. Oh, now, that's interesting. You know, 
Michael Keaton's character played Birdman and Birdman is all and he's always kind of there. And it's suggested that maybe he does have the powers that Birdman had, mm-hmm. but he's not officially Birdman. It's Donnie Brasco, honestly. It's, yeah. it's similar to that. Um, so that was one that I put a question mark next to. Um, yeah. Where it's like Birdman isn't in this movie, except he is all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's. I guess it's about. Um, a, uh, a character's name is not necessarily who they are. Like I was saying with Donnie Brasco, right. like Donnie Brasco might be more who he is than Joe. I forget his name. Yeah. Um, I should look, I've looked, is it up, like Pistone or something like that? I think it that? might actually be. Okay. I've looked up like eight things on my phone during this episode. I refuse to look up <laughs> the name of the character. Um, uh, and yeah, w- but whereas, whereas Joe becomes Donnie Brasco in a way, yeah. um, what's his name in Birdman is very much trying not to be seen as yeah. Birdman, but maybe you can never escape. I mean, he's literally yeah. over his shoulder. Yeah. It's not a subtle movie, Birdman. It isn't. The, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I'm going to... The fact that it won Best Picture obviously got people thinking about it in a very specific way, and it's it's one of those movies that, like, suffers by being considered the Best Picture of the Year, but, like, there's a lot of great things in Birdman. Know. You could go back to my Twitter feed and find that I disliked it from the jump, well before it won Best Picture. Sure, I was, uh, yeah, I was never a fan. Um, but I do love the performances. I do think the camera work is fun, um, but also very stressful as it should be. Um, I feel like there are certain, having done theater, uh, <laughs> there are certain things that I recognize, uh, specifically in the way the actors are relating to each other. There's a lot that I like about Birdman. Um, I don't think it should have won Best Screenplay. I'll say that. But, uh, okay, so moving on. Um, so the other one that I have a question mark with is Lincoln. Oh, uh, okay, that's a good one. Now, if there is a lead, it is him. But I, I, when I think of that movie, I think of an ensemble. It is an ensemble, yeah. And that's another one with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, obviously he is, like, a, a, a key part of things and he's the one who wants everybody to be doing these things but at the same time like and Daniel Day-Lewis is very forceful and it's a it's a great performance and all that but I you know when I think of Lincoln I think of yes Daniel Day-Lewis I also think of Tommy Lee Jones I think of James Spader I think of all of these other characters I think of like you know I remember for a while thinking that Lincoln was a bad title Uh, it still kind of do Um, you know it should be called you know well, thirteenth, I guess. That's. I, I was going to bring that up because I remember you saying that it yeah. should be called thirteen or thirteenth. Yeah. Back when it first came out, and yeah. uh, too late now. I know. <laughs> you had your chance, Spielberg. Um, yeah, I feel like we're going through these way too quickly. Oh, sorry, uh, but um, we've been talking about fifteen, twenty minutes now. <laughs> so. It's been. Oh, yeah, it's been. No, it's been over twenty. Uh, maybe it hasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna run out of room real quick. We're running out of runway. I've, uh, I still, I have several on here. Uh, well, I, part of it is uh, I'm saving. I'm torn between saving my favorite for last, okay. but also nervous that you're gonna say it before I get there because okay. I'm almost entirely sure it's on your list. Okay. So let me go ahead and just say what my favorite is. Yeah. My favorite of this kind of movie because I think a lot of we, we've talked about it different ways. Like, is it another name of the character? Okay, hang on. It, I'll say this. Your your favorite. Okay, so I have one on here that to me is like the essence of this. See, this is so not may, the essence. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. See, I don't think this is the essence. I think this is the most 
interesting use of this. Okay. Right? Because we talked about things like Donnie Brasco, whatever, where it's, you know, um, it is the character and it isn't. And then most of the other ones we talked about have been everyone's focused on Mary or Private mm-hmm. Ryan or what have you, or Salieri's obsessed with Amadeus. Yeah. Like, it's very clear. This is a version that's neither of those things. It's Rachel getting married. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't I didn't think of that. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't. Um, cuz uh I I have been thinking I I think I've been subconsciously thinking for what when did that movie come out? Oh, 08. 2008. Yeah, so for 8 years now I've been subconsciously thinking about why that the movie is titled that. Mm-hmm. Um because of course it is the reason that there's a plot. <laughs> it's the reason right. that everyone has come together because Rachel is getting married. Mm-hmm. Um but could it also be the reason that Anne Hathaway's character is acting out, especially no. the way she is? You know, is there some sibling rivalry or is there some, uh, you know, history of uh, jealousy or animosity between Rachel and Anne Hathaway, whose character's name I actually forget um, right now? Yeah, I can't remember it. That's okay. Uh, why do you think it's called Rachel getting married? Uh, I, 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 you know, it's an inciting incident. And also I do think that there is an element of like, that is, you know, the fact of, Oh, Rachel is marrying this guy has been boiled down to Rachel getting married. And like that fact, maybe even that phrase is like bouncing around in the main character's head. Uh, and yeah, I think there's any number of things. Well, so, uh, Rachel is reaching uh, uh, a landmark or a milestone in, in her life mm-hmm. that everyone can rally around and say, yeah. we're happy that this has happened. And all of the momentous things that happen in Kim's life, I just looked it up. Kim, yes. Um, uh, are not things that people could be supportive of. Yeah. You know, she's... Uh, it feels like maybe... Kim feels, and I don't think this is true, but Kim feels like at some point in her life, she took a different fork in the road and mm. she'll never be yeah. where Rachel is. Not that she necessarily wants to be, not wants to have Rachel's life, but she'll never be have that kind of um, easy approval that Rachel yeah. gets. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, by the way, like, when I saw Manchester by the Sea, I saw a lot of Rachel getting married in there. Hmm. I need to like, watch Rachel getting like married. Like thematically. Again. Yeah. Um, and by the way, um, Rachel and Kim, uh-huh. their character's last name, Pistone. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So I have, I mean, I can, I was going to say like, I can rattle these off. We haven't actually been talking about the topic very long, so I don't necessarily have to. Um, but we have been going for a We've been going for a while. Time. Uh, okay, so I have okay. All about Eve is one where Eve is maybe maybe a co lead, but it's mostly about uh, the other character whose name I've forgotten. Mm. You know, uh, the Betty Davis character, um, and so that I think that might count. Here's one that is that fits in like with The Exorcist, The Thin Man. Uh-huh. Now, The Thin Man makes reference to I believe the victim uh, of the crime uh, of the murder. Um, but as tends to happen, not unlike Frankenstein, uh-huh. uh, the, maybe that's not, maybe that's one that I didn't add to my list. Of but no, Frankenstein actually 
is named after the main character. Yes, that's right. That's the thing. Yeah. Is that um, people, A, they they make, they go wrong two ways. Yeah. They think the monster's the main character, and they think the monster's named Frankenstein. Yeah. The monster is winds up being, like, the most dynamic character, but yes. Uh, so, with the Thin Man, uh, everyone just... It's not clear. It may okay. It's clear in the book what the who the thin man is. Okay, because it's because the victim is described and you read it over and over again. But aside from the victim being described as thin once in the movie, that's it. That's all you've got. So people are just going to think about the thin man as Nick Charles. Can you tell me the name of the author of the thin man? Dashiell Hammett. Apparently, his living ancestors say Dashiell. DeShiel. Hmm. That's okay. interesting. Well, anyway. <laughs> We've uh, all been saying Dashiell for decades. Yeah. So I guess it's staying that way. Yeah. But and you know what? And Frankenstein is the monster now. So we all have our thing. <laughs> but he has a, a, a living, I think, granddaughter here in Los Angeles. Um, her name's not Hammett because she's yeah. uh, been married uh, and changed her name. But uh, she says DeShiel. DeShiel. That feels like work. I don't know why. <laughs> like, like that, like DeShiel Hammett. I've got places to be. Dashiell Hammett done moving on yeah i know it's dashing the same. off to the next I, ex- topic <laughs> exactly um uh, there's what there's a couple i forgot here on okay on mine one is um uh, more of the object of obsession uh very much an eric romare film called claire's knee oh sure uh which is an awesome movie i don't know if you've seen it i've uh, not it's it was one of the first eric romare films i ever saw uh, uh it's it's terrific and then here's one it's technically a tv show but they also made two movies charlie's angels oh sure charlie's yeah. barely in the movie at all yeah right but it's <laughs> but it's about the angels obviously yeah. yeah you know so it's i feel like you're cheating a little bit no but uh, no uh, you do feel like charlie's going to be a bigger gonna have saying, a bigger role all i'm saying I, again i'm i'm not trying to see these okay, movies are trying to trick you yes the whole point is just that <laughs> there's a name in the title it's not the protagonist's name i do like the idea that there's someone out there it's like wait charlie's in this I'm going to go see it. Um, uh, what about, uh, I'm just looking at your uh, wall of DVDs here. Yeah. The Molly Maguires. Yeah. Oh, boy. That is a bad title. <laughs> you know, because. I think it's a great title. Just It is, but who. It's what, fun to say. Nobody knows what that means. Uh, the Molly Maguires, for whatever reason, was like the name of this, this, uh, this outfit. You know, this, this group of. Uh, of uh, misfits uh-huh. and they call themselves the Molly Maguires. It's like, that's great. You know, I have no association with this, right? <laughs> um, okay. So a couple of these, I'll just rattle off. Uh, Unless I interject. And sure. Have more to say about them. JFK. Uh, but he's not in the movie at all. Well, he's at the beginning uh, footage of him. Uh, okay. Um, okay. And then similarly, uh, Bobby, which is about oh, Bobby, which I, Kennedy. which I never saw. Um, and, but from what I understand, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And I mean, he, He's not really, I think there's footage and then you see him get shot at the end. Um, but yeah, and just the idea of like these, these mythic guys uh, sparking all of this stuff, all, all this stuff around them. Um, JFK after he dies and then Bobby uh, right before. Um, Venus. Oh, that's another one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting one because Peter, it's very much about Peter O'Toole's character. Um but then there's this young girl that he is lusting after. Her name is not Venus. That's what he calls her. Right, right. Which, you know, that should speak volumes that, like, it's not her name. It's what he calls her. Um, let's see. Uh, 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 Mad Max Fury Road. Um, which, you know, maybe a 
shouldn't brought it up. Uh, sure, bring it up. It's so my, my favorite movie of last year. It, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. You've really been playing that down, by the way. Uh, off mic, you can't stop talking about it. Wait. This is the one about the 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 dog that comes back from the war, right? That yeah. came out last year. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And he's you know what? Not too happy about it. <laughs> uh so uh and that's one where yes, Max is in it and yes, he he doesn't really narrate it, but like I think it starts with his uh voiceover. But he is definitely an observer more than anything else. Like Charlize Theron's character Furiosa is the lead. Um and so like when I when I think of the other uh, Mad Max movies, he definitely has more agency and he's more active, and he doesn't. And there are people that he's with, but he's definitely the one in charge. Whereas Charlize Theron is the main character of Mad Max Fury Road, um, and I think a lot of people, honestly, by calling him Mad Max, I think a lot of people uh, were upset. Uh, and in some cases, like, oh, this is a girl, and I think it's also just like. Where the hell is Max? <laughs> I paid to see Mad Max. Um, speaking of uh, action movies, this isn't this isn't a name like your mm-hmm. thing with The Exorcist, but The Terminator is another one. Sure, it has a uh, a female lead whose name is not the or Terminator, um, but the movie's named after. In this case, the bad guy, yeah. or in the second case, the ally i don't know he's more of a weapon in, in the second movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's a well, and I wonder he's a, he's a tool. Yeah. <laughs> fucking fucking guy. Um it feels like and I can't I can't, you know, call it to mind immediately and I feel like I should be able to, but like that feels like something that would be more that would happen more often in horror movies, right? But Oh, sure. But it's not called Jason, it's not called Freddy, it's not called Michael Myers, it's not called Leatherface, you know, this is yeah. one of the sequels was. But um it's not called whatever the guy from Saw, Jigsaw. Yeah, oh, I guess it is called. It's called Saw, but that's because somebody saws their their foot off. Um, Does that happen? I only saw the first one. Did someone see, saw their foot off in every Saw movie? I didn't see any of them, but yes. <laughs> and you know what? They always play it as though it's the first time we're seeing it, which I appreciate. Um, but you know, I mean, there's um, um, as far as horror movies from that era, named mm-hmm. after the bad guy. Who could forget Boogeyman, starring Emily Deschanel? Um, and Barry Watson. I can think of... And Lucy Lawless. You know what? I, I can, saw this movie in the theater. Uh, well, I didn't see it, but it came out at like during the sweet spot of my uh, blockbuster employment, so I can picture the cover. And more specifically, I can picture a lot of the cover, because I think we had like a whole wall of it or something. <laughs> well, that was, as, as you recall, after I moved out of... You and I lived together in two different apartments, mm-hmm. and then for a short time I lived... Uh, well, I guess there's some overlap because I li- I moved in with my girlfriend. Yeah. But I was te- I was essentially living there before we actually moved out. Yes. So I was there I, I was there for a while actually even though it was only a few months really that my no. name was on the lease. Um but you remember we lived around the corner from the what was that place called? The Village Theater there on yeah, yeah. on Sheridan is that where that was? Um I don't remember. I mean it was off Morris, right? Um I, I don't no, know. It was not off Morris, but like if you if you took Morris to, I think it was Sheridan. Oh, anyway. it depresses me when I can't remember Chicago uh, yeah. streets. But that theater um, had, before this was like a regular thing that all theaters did, mm. they showed movies, they showed all their movies that were coming out at Thursday at midnight. 
Now most theaters, uh, that's just become a thing now, I yeah. guess. But it wasn't that common at the time. But, um, yeah, and that, that theater, as you recall, was also super cheap. Yes, so it was. Like, pretty much every Thursday, I'd, like, my girlfriend and I would just, like, be, because we worked at video stores, we'd have worked late, and it'd be, like, 11 when we got off, and we'd be like, let's just go see a movie. So I yeah. saw... I saw a ton of stuff that just like Thursdays at midnight when yeah. I got off work because it was like four bucks to see a movie. Yeah. I think that's probably how I ended up seeing Boogeyman. There's something to be said for like how undis- uh, how undiscerning a person can be when it's like, hey, four bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. Uh, jumping around, I think I've said most of mine at this point. Uh, let me ask you this. Annie Hall. Oh yeah, that's a perfect one. Is it? I mean, yeah. she's definitely she does change. Like there is a lead quality, but I do think it's mostly Alvy's movie. Yeah, and I think even when she does change, she remains sort of uh, ineffable to him. Uh, yes, I think that's a good way of putting it. Yes, um, and that's kind of the point. Although by that stretch, you could say, I mean, Lawrence of Arabia is clearly about Lawrence, but you yeah. also don't know anything more about him at the end than you did at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> one of the things I love about the movie. Um, okay, so I have two more. Do okay. you have any more? Uh, no, I was going to make a joke about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> now, obviously, Honey is the wife. Right, yes. But she's not a, ma- a, a main character. Yeah, the eye there is the main character. That's right. Um, and the kids. Really, the kids. the kids are. I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The eye in the title. Oh, man. This is a whole other episode. Movies with eye in the title. I, Robot. The robot's not the main character. Sure. Let's see. Uh, I am Sam. Oh, you know what? I think that one works. Yeah. The King and I. No, that one works. Yeah. Too. All right. I guess we ran out of it. <laughs> I, Robot, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, me and Orson Welles. <laughs> Uh, Again, that one is about him, right? I never saw it. It is, and that is unfortunate because uh, uh, the guy playing Orson Welles is amazing, and it should have just been about him. Who plays Orson Welles? His name's uh, Christian McKay. Okay. Um, he's like a British actor who I've seen a couple things here and there, but uh, yeah, like that is. But isn't the is the me Zach Efron? Yes. Yeah. My week with Marilyn. Uh, I never saw that one either. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne is the my there. And uh, something of a cipher. Um, okay, so I've got two more to, t- to talk okay, about. Okay, and then we'll wrap up. One is Dr. Strangelove, where, I mean, talk That's about a, a guy one. who yeah. doesn't show up. And when he does, like, he certainly is not the lead. <laughs> I remember, like, I got, it made me angry as a kid because I watched the movie and loved it. Uh-huh. But I was like, why is this called this? <laughs> this makes no sense to me at all. You know, you could call it any, there are so many things in the film you could call it. You could call it purity of essence, uh-huh. peace on earth, bodily fluids. There's a lot of options and that's just from one character. But no, you decide to name it after this character who doesn't play that big of a role. It's yeah. crazy to me. And I, the craziness is one of the things I've come to embrace, but I got really mad uh, when I first saw it. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I hadn't mentioned to you, but I I just rewatched Doctor Strangelove when I was sick. I guess at this point it was almost mm-hmm. a month ago. But when I was sick, I, I rewatched Doctor Strangelove, and I'm it never ceases to uh, amaze me. And maybe this is just like I'm not sure what the what the word for this is. Some sort of like uh, arrogance of the present, but like to look back at a movie that is at this point what over fifty years old, right? What year? Uh, 64? Yeah, so it's fi- uh, 52 years old. Yeah. 
um, and the uh, just the 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 cleverness and the intelligence of the sense of humor of yeah. that movie. Um, it's it seems it's it's it seems like it could have been made today with a lot of the 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 comedic timing choices. Oh, absolutely. And it's and it's kind of a blend of of comedic sensibilities. Um, you know, like on one hand, you well, and I mean, even just the three performances by Peter Sellers are so notably different. Uh You know, the inclusion of Doctor Strangelove as a character really ratchets things up uh-huh. uh, as far as silliness uh, in a way that I love. But um, yeah, I recently rewatched it. I saw it in the theater. It, it yeah, I think blank. we talked about that on a, on a, and that was probably the inspiration for me yeah. pulling pulling yeah. the DVD off the shelf when I was sick. And it, seeing it in the theater, you really come to understand just how awesome uh, Slim Pickens writing that bomb is because I mean you appreciate it on your TV screen but when you just see this whole thing and you just see him writing it and like the ground getting closer and closer it's like it really like that's not a movie that I immediately think of as oh you need to see that in the theater in that moment I thought like oh never mind this absolutely oh, awesome. um, and the war room looks really big um, okay um, what anything else on your list my last one which okay. is the essence of this David oh good Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca Oh, which I've never seen. Rebecca is in the movie and not in the movie. She is dead by the time the movie starts. Um, but her ghost, but not really a ghost, it's more the specter. It's like it's more of a psychological thing. Um, but they're you mean like Blofeld. Yes, she's like Blofeld. She's okay. pulling all the strings. Uh-huh. Uh, shut up. <laughs> so, um, but like there's and and there's a moment when uh, when. Um, Lawrence Olivier is talking about Lawrence of Olivier is talking about um, <laughs> his 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 former wife Rebecca who has died and he's telling this story in the room that such and such a thing happened and Hitchcock basically moves the camera around following Rebecca uh, the Rebecca that is not actually there as he's telling the story and you're following it in the room and so like they do everything that it gets to the point that you actually. I started to wonder, it's like, is this a ghost story? Uh-huh. And she is, because Hitchcock does everything he can to make her present, but she's not. She's not there. She yeah. is dead. And that idea, and it's, but it's called Rebecca. And by the way, our main character doesn't have a name. She, she's like the new wife, and everybody's trying to sort of turn her into Rebecca or make her live the way Rebecca lived. And so, like, it's this. Rebecca as a character is just looms large over this, even like though that. we've never seen her. I like that idea that the camera is, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a really good movie. Well, I, uh, we got to end with this, but I don't know how we could talk about a movie with a dead character's name in the title. Who's not in the movie and not talk about city slickers to the legend of Curly's <laughs> gold. That's that is true. Uh, which I've actually never seen. It's uh, not good. I mean, it's a sequel to city slickers. City Slickers has a lot of good stuff about it. It does. And then it also it doesn't like, beg for a sequel though. Uh, all the worst stuff about City Slickers is Billy Crystal, by the way. Uh, and, and there's parts where he's good in it. But yeah. then there's parts like when he has to like I, I hate the I'm on vacation type of like the oh, yeah. hamminess to the camera type of thing. It really fucks up fucks up the movie. Yeah. Um Yeah, uh, compared to, you know, Bruno Kirby, who's great. Yeah, and Daniel and Stern. Daniel Stern. And yeah, and you've got uh, Josh Mostel, right? Yeah, and David Paymer. And David Paymer, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. that's that. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff um, going on in that movie. And I think the Billy Crystal thing, I, I feel like, is that his fault or is that just 
a very specific type of '90s thing. No, I, th- I that's the thing. I think it was. I think Billy Crystal's whole thing has always been dated. Like even like for as long, <laughs> like I I, 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 I think it was too hammy for the time yeah. too. Uh, I'm not a big Billy Crystal fan in general. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I really am either. Um, when Harry met Sally, notwithstanding, I mean, everyone's got a. You and know, I, I think he does okay in uh, uh, analyze broken, this. Broken clock is right twice a day, I guess. Um, I tell you what I enjoy <laughs> is Brett Gelman's impression of Billy Crystal. Have you ever heard that on like? Uh, no, I haven't. It's all right. It's really funny. Look it up. I think it was on uh, back when it was Comedy Death Ray. I think he did his uh, Billy Crystal on that. Okay, and it was uh, delightful. Well, we started with politics for forty-five minutes. We talked about that topic for twenty-five minutes, and we and ended, now we're we ended with Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal and recommending other podcasts. <laughs> yeah. If you're sick of our shit, as yeah. you have every reason to be, yeah. Check out Comedy Bang Bang, yeah. formerly Comedy Death Ray Radio. That's right. All right. I think we're good. All right. Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where all of our movie reviews are, actual movie stuff. Uh, also, we're, we're, um, what, what day is this coming out? The 27th? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, still for a few more days, if you buy any of our premium content, the proceeds go to the Freedom of the Press Foundation. Um, and uh, you can email us. Um, uh, now, if you have complaints about our politics, leave that on the website, on the comments yeah. section, so everyone can see and and participate. But if you have something, so we can really get a really get a mob going, if possible. Exactly, that's the point. Um, if you have something personal you'd like to share with us, uh, you can do so by emailing us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DavyPretension, and you can follow Tyler on Twitter at TylerPretension. Uh, Tyler's other podcast is called More Than One Lesson. That's right. Uh, this week, we talk about Vincent Minnelli's Gigi, the best winner, mm-hmm. best picture winner of 1958. And... Uh, <laughs> Still listen, but uh, it is not a good movie. I do not care for it. Uh, my other podcast is still on hiatus until the new year. Uh, so don't worry about it right now. You keep at it, buddy. You'll get there. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 